Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development program that changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to message number four in the series, Mystery Babylon. And, you know, we're discovering what's happening in the world, but even more importantly, we are discovering what we can do about it, how we protect ourselves from this. And I got to tell you, you do not want to go to fear uh, and negativity and introspection when you start looking at all these uh, end time events. And sadly, it seems that our tendency is to focus on all of the wrong things. You know, uh, the book of Revelation, as I say on a, on a regular basis, is a revelation of Jesus himself coming and delivering the church and delivering Israel from the most corrupt and powerful attack that has ever taken place on the world. And in this, in this issue of the harlot, and the book of Revelation, whenever the angel speaks to John, he doesn't say, I'm, I'm going to teach you everything you need to know about Mystery Babylon. He said, I'm going to show you the great, the judgment of Mystery Babylon. And so the idea there is that we should be reading this, not trying to learn all of the details about Mystery Babylon, but seeking to know and confidently understand that one of the ways that God's going to deliver us is by winning, by overcoming. And ultimately, the final greatest victory um, will be when Jesus himself comes back to planet Earth, establishes his kingdom here on Earth. So I want to talk to you today about, I'll just title this, what did Jesus really, really mean? You know, we've talked about how that uh, the Antichrist spirit uh works by creating alternatives or or uh, substitutes for what God actually says. And so one of the places that I see this coming out so often is when people start talking about I, I don't I didn't I didn't understand. I don't I don't understand that. Now my position has been that if it's in the word of God and it has there's any inkling that uh that there's a warning in it that I, I'm not going to act without understanding. I am not going to take action until I understand what I'm supposed to do. And of course, this series is all about it. the mystery of Babylon, uh, understanding the times, knowing what to do. I want you to know what to do. And you don't know what to do because you understand everything that's wrong uh, with, with the world, by identifying the Antichrist, where he's going to come from, all those things. Uh, yeah, there's times that those things can be beneficial, but by and large, uh, most people take that information and go to a deeper level of fear with it, rather than finding all of the promises that are provided for us and going to a greater level of faith. You know, in Genesis, the third chapter, in the, in the original temptation, it says in verse one, it says, now the serpent, and that word serpent really is shiny one. We don't even, we don't even really fully understand I don't think what uh, what that word actually means, uh, and I won't go into it here. But but I think it I think it's is uh, the shiny one is something that 
looks alluring. It looks beautiful. Uh, it's something that attracts our attention. And so, so, so we pay attention to it. We listen to it. And so, so the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Now, you notice that he didn't come in here and say, look, God never said that. It's really uh, more than anything is like, is that exactly what God said? And, and is the way that you're interpreting that actually based on what God really meant? You know, one of the things you have to realize is the way many people, so many people get off into error and into self-destruction is not because they reject the Word of God. It's because they reject the Word of God. They either add to it or they leave some part out of it, or they come up with a private personal interpretation that fits their life preferences. And so they're going, walking down a path of personal destruction, all the while quoting scriptures and trying to convince themselves uh, you know, that they're on, on a godly path, that they're on a godly track, when in reality, all they're doing is trying to uh, deceive themselves into believing that because they're quoting Scripture, now it's their version of Scripture, but because they're quoting Scripture, that somehow or another, everything is going to be all right. You know, uh, over the years, I've noticed that when people start saying they don't understand something that's in the Bible. Now, listen, I realize that the Bible is is complex. I realize that there's a lot of information, so much information that you never, ever, ever stop learning. And that's one of the things that attracted me to it. You know, many people look at that and say, okay, you know, I can't understand this. I'm not even going to try. Uh, but other people look at that and go, you know what? This is so uh, full of life and, and information that I'll never stop learning. And for me, when I read the Bible for the first time, I thought I will never get bored because there is no end to understanding the depths of what God is, is saying. So, so I read the Bible, and there was a lot I didn't understand. But when we say I don't understand, it's really interesting to, um, to really be honest with ourselves about what is my next move? When I reach this place where I'm saying I don't understand. So uh, uh, what does that really mean? Well, you know, I have seen that for many, many people, if not most people, when people don't understand, whether it's something they're reading in the Bible, whether it's the way they're treating someone, whether it's about negotiations that they're making, when somebody starts saying, I don't understand, that's usually a Christianese, you know, in other words, Christian talk for I don't really want to do this the way God is saying to do this, so I'm going to pretend like I understand. You know, the Bible says that selfish ambition uh, always brings confusion because in selfish ambition, you already made up your mind what you want to do and how you want to do it. And so you either have to admit that you are deviating, you're creating a substitute, you're twisting the Word of God. You, you, you've either got to admit that and repent and deal with the beliefs of your heart, or uh, you take action uh, and pretend like that, that you really don't know. You, you go into self-deception. Now, when you don't understand uh, something, one of the interesting things is, who do you go to to gain understanding? Well, most of the time, 
we go to people who are going to who are going to support whatever it is we want to see. Whoever's going to help our interpretation, whoever's going to say that our sin isn't sin and that our stuff don't stink. And the interesting thing that I've noticed is, you know, having uh, I, I finance my personal life and my family by having businesses all through the years, and so uh, I've always employed employed people since I was fourteen years old. I have employed people. And other than the last, uh, maybe the last 10 or 12 years, uh, I haven't had any businesses that didn't directly relate somehow to ministry. But uh, uh, one of the things I've really noticed, because like I said, I've hired people since I was 14 years old, I've noticed that when people are going to try to beat me or they're going to try to steal from me, uh, and if they're particularly if they're believers, we will have had a, a firm agreement about something, and then they invoke what I call the I don't understand clause. Well, you know, I'm just thinking back to one day I had a, I had a house down here that you know, Brenda and I flipped, I think it was either 14 or 17 houses in, in this neighborhood way back in the, uh, in the 90s, and uh, it was a way to make personal income, but it was also a way to minister to people help young families be able to get into a house that they could afford and get into a great house. So we would completely remodel these houses. And so uh, there, there was a guy that wanted one of these houses. I was getting ready to go out of town on a trip, and he came and saw me. He said, look, I, I want this particular house. And I said, all right. I said, but now that house belongs to my mother. And so if we make this deal, it's got to be absolute because I'm trying to get her into a smaller house because she's getting older and she can't take care of a house that big. And so, no, 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 we, we discussed the price. We came to a price that we both agreed on. It was, it was fair to him and fair to me. And, um, and so we shook hands. I said, I'm leaving town tomorrow morning, so I'm not going to have time to draw up a contract on this. So is your word good for this? When I get back in town, are we going to do this deal? Because I've got another house lined up that I'm going to get for my mother. And so, oh, yes, yes. Oh, man, he just went on and on and on. So, you know, we shook hands on it. We agreed that when I came back, he had paid me the down payment on it. And uh, uh, I came back and he changed his mind. And whenever I confronted him about the agreements that we made, he, he was like, well, I didn't understand that that was actually a binding commitment. He understood. You know, when a believer says, uh, I'll give you my word, but if you don't have my signature on a contract, it don't mean, my word doesn't mean anything. I got news for you. That's somebody I don't want to do business with. That's somebody I'm not ever going to trust. That's somebody that was looking, always looking for a way to beat somebody. And that's where they invoke the I didn't understand clause. Uh, you know, I'm not going to go into the whole story, but there's a man I do a lot of business with here in Huntsville. He was one of my sources for borrowing money for, for flipping and remodeling these houses. And, you know, what's really interesting, you know, he, he doesn't know God. But uh, he made a deal on the house one Friday afternoon, offered to go back to his office, meet the guy, give him a deposit check. The guy said, no, nope, your word's good with me. Just let's just get together on Monday. So on Monday, my friend had thought it over and he thought, you know what? My health isn't that good. I'm getting older. I, I don't want to go through the hassle of moving. So he calls up the man that he made the deal with. And he said, hey, so-and-so. He said, you know, I've really rethought this. And he said, I, I, I don't think I need to buy your house. And he said, but I'm not going to break my word to you. Uh, so I just need to know if I give you $10,000 uh, to get out of this deal, 
will my word still be good with you in the future? Now, he didn't have to give a penny legally because they didn't have a contract, but his word meant something to him. But anyhow, the point of it is, it's amazing to me how many times when we don't understand something, uh, we always misunderstand it in a way that we get to beat somebody else. We always misunderstand it in a way that, that gets us out of our commitments. And so, you know, when you get when you get ready to invoke the I don't understand clause based on what you're reading in the Bible, uh, then the real truth is you might not really want to understand that situation. So how many things did Jesus tell us to do? And and they were warnings, not not warnings of if you don't do this, I'm gonna smack you around, but warnings that said, I'm gonna try to tell you how to win in this situation. How many times have we come up on those warnings and just ignore them? And I, you know, I don't know. Somehow I guess people are like, I, I don't know what I was supposed to do. I don't know, you know. So I'm gonna jump into one of the main warnings that really fits into this concept of what's happening because as as you're going through this series on mystery babbling, you're gonna understand that the spirit of iniquity has been at work in the world every ever since Genesis uh, chapter 3. And the whole concept of iniquity is twisting, changing, substituting the Word of God until your heart gets so hard and you get so deceived that you don't even have to twist it. You're just, you're just going to deny it. But in John 10, verse 7, and man, this is this is a popular passage of Scripture that we usually kind of miss the point. But it says, most assuredly, I say unto you, and this is Jesus speaking, I am the door of the sheep, and all who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't hear them. I'm the door, and if anyone enters through me, he will be saved, and I, I will go in and out and find pasture. Now, remember, Later in this passage, he goes, look, I've come that they might have a life and have it more abundantly. Now, we tend to take this scripture and just try to say this is just talking about the devil. Well, look, the devil is the father of all lies. He is a thief. He is a murderer. And he has been all those things from the very beginning. But the real truth is this passage of scripture is not specifically talking about the devil. This passage of scripture is talking about anyone who uh, encourages an alternative approach to getting the benefits that only Jesus himself can give us through his death, burial, and resurrection. And not only that, it's not just, this is not just about the people who are trying to get us to take the shortcuts or take the substitutes. This is talking about us when we are willing to create our own substitutes or create our own excuses for not applying the Word of God the way the Bible plainly teaches it. So verse 10 says, The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. And I've come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly, or as one translation says, to the fullest, or as the Greek says, that they might have that we might have the quality of life that is possessed by the Lord Jesus himself. So whether you understood that this was talking about the thief thinking that the, this is talking specifically about the devil or just talking about anybody that's trying to come in through another door. Uh, it, do, it doesn't really matter where you get all the details right about that. The thing that you have to realize is anybody who tries to come into the sheepfold and offers to bring the benefits that only Jesus himself can bring, 
that person is there to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, you want, we read a warning like this, and somehow we don't really take it seriously. You know, honestly, I, I can tell you this, and I, you know, I, I have been in the ministry uh, 50 years and just really actually just a few days. And, uh, and I've been all over the world. I've, I've talked to preachers all over the world. I've talked to Christians all over the world. And I don't really meet many people that are vigilant about the fact that there is something at work in the world system that is so insidious and so wicked and so deadly that if I, if I become complicit with it, it's, it's going to destroy me. It's going to destroy my life. It's going to destroy my faith. It's going to destroy my family. It's going to harden my heart. That's why the Bible says, you know, above all that you guard, above all that you protect, guard your heart because out of it flow all the issues of life. Now, we actually do have enemies of the gospel who are fully committed to our destruction. And we know that at this point in time, that enemy is what the Bible calls Mystery Babylon. And uh, ultimately, Mystery Babylon, which as you'll learn through this series more and more and more, is the world system that, is, that really has created the, uh, the world economic system. And people are being sucked into that world economic system, into the values of that system, doing business the way uh, that system is. You know, you know I, I grew up around criminals. And, you know, low-level criminals, but it, it was always amazing when somebody beat somebody else up, or uh, in some cases, if they were going to kill somebody, you know, they would make this statement like, well, you know, this isn't personal, it's just business. And, you know, we think, you know, in our mind, we think about some mafioso character saying something like that before we kill somebody. But basically, that's what we do when we cheat people in business. That's what we do when we break our word to people. It's like, well, you know, this is just, you know this this is just how we do it here at work, or this is just you know how we do it in in the system, or this is just what po you know politics. This is what it is. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna lie about about what I'm my promises. I'm gonna lie about what I say I'm gonna do, and because this is just politics, you just make a bunch of promises and you don't really plan to keep them. So I could just go on and on down this list, but 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 you get it. And then we're like, well, this is just business. I mean, this is just the way this system works. Well, that system is called mystery babbling, and that system is destroying our world. That system is bringing the entire world into an enslavement, and we participate in it, and we think there's some kind of secular, sacred world. Well, there's not, because there is no nothing in this world that does not involve God, and we're involved. We should be the ones bringing God into, into this situation. You know, there was a time in my life for a few years where probably two, maybe three years, I have someone trying to kill me. And uh, this is no exaggeration. I'm not going to go into the details of it, but but um, Brenda and I went, went through hell. Our phone was bugged. We had people that were paid to watch us pretty much 24 hours a day. I, I can't even tell you how many times traps were set for me where people intended to kill me or hurt me really, really bad. I got news for you. When you really know for sure that somebody's trying to hurt you or kill you or steal from you or hurt the people you love, 
I got news for you. You're either going to go into deep fear or you're going to get incredibly vigilant. Well, that's how we have to be looking at the world. We, we can't go to fear on this stuff uh, because we got to keep our hearts where we're hearing and following and trusting in Jesus. But we have to realize Jesus means what he said whenever he gives us any of these warnings like this. And if we don't pay attention to these warnings, then we're going to suffer different levels of personal destruction. And it's not God doing it. It's not God punishing us for not listening. It's just the consequences of absolutely uh, not listening. So, you know, why don't we listen? Well, I'll tell you why we don't listen is because we have become so ingrained with the world system. We have so become so ingrained with making, uh, you know, money our source, the economy our source. We don't know how to rely on God. We don't know how to have integrity and believe that God can walk us through these things. Well, that's what we got to start doing if we plan to be prepared for the days that are ahead. The number one thing that Jesus said that will prepare you to be an overcomer uh, in the beginning of sorrows, which I believe were already there, and then ultimately in, in the end times, however you define that, is uh, to him who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit of God is saying. And if, if we can't hear the voice of God in our heart because all of our attention is focused outward, then we can't uh, follow him and follow his protection. He can't be our shepherd if we don't follow him in paths of righteousness. We can't, he can't be our protector uh, who brings his rod and his staff to protect us if we are never where he is, if we're not walking the same path that he's walking. So, you know, I just I was thinking about this passage of scripture. By the way, th this is the probably the most negative message in this entire series. And I don't think it's a negative message. This is just a message that says, wake up. You've got an enemy that's really trying to kill you, that really wants to make you destitute, and more than anything, wants to render you totally incapable or unwilling uh, uh, to trust Jesus for his promises and for him to be your personal deliverer. You know, Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is one long sermon. It's one of the most significant sermons that Jesus ever preached. And uh, among the many things that come out in this long sermon is that if we are not obeying God from our heart, then the real truth is we're just, we're just being religious legalists and we're missing the whole point. But in Matthew 7, verse 21, Jesus says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, I don't think that this parable is talking about whether or not we get saved. It's talking about the kingdom of heaven. Well, what is the kingdom of heaven? Well, the kingdom of heaven is that realm that we enter into when we have surrendered to the lordship of Jesus, where we have access to all the benefits of heaven. And, and we, we live our life for now in our hearts as if we're already in heaven, no matter what's going on around us. But then ultimately, uh, you know, Jesus is going to set up the kingdom of God here on planet Earth, and he's going to rule and reign for a thousand years. But anyway, he says, he says so not everybody who says, Lord, Lord, uh, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father. Now, the word of God has been twisted so much that people think that obedience or following God or listening to the Holy Spirit, they think that that's legalism or dead works. It's not. 
Uh, it, it's legalism or dead works if you're doing it to try to earn something from God. But if you're doing it because you trust God, then that's what faith really is. Verse 22, he says, many will say to me in that day, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? So these are very obviously people who are on some level seeking to do the work of the ministry, serve God. And he says, then I'll declare to them, I never knew you. That word know is the same word for having intimacy with your spouse, with somebody you love. He, he says, I, I never really was intimate with you, so just depart from me. Listen, you who practice lawlessness, that word lawlessness is the same as the word iniquity. In other words, you who reject God's law as the basis for understanding what love is, as for the basis of understanding how we're supposed to be treating each other. And, you know, when Jesus taught uh the commandments that he taught, he didn't change anything uh, that had ever been said in all of the Torah or the Pentateuch, as Gentiles call it. Uh, he didn't change any of that. He just raised the bar and said, it's not enough to do it, because if you do it, you can't earn righteousness. Uh, you can only have righteousness as a free gift. And so so he's saying that, that uh, if, if you're going to follow my commandments, then yeah, you, you might look at, at the Ten Commandments or whatever part of the law you're looking at to understand how you should treat each other. But the real truth, what's got to be working in your heart has got to be love. And you got to do those things because you are seeking to show people the love of God. But anyhow, in verse 24, he says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, that it puts them into practice, I will liken him to a man who built his house. Now, the word house and, and the language of the Bible is synonymous with the concept of the heart. So the person who hears Jesus' words and puts them into practice, trying to earn something? No, because he believes them. This is the person who's building their house on the rock. And when the rain descends and the flood comes and the winds blow and beat on the house, it did not fall because it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, does not put them into practice, will be like a foolish man who built his house, or you could say established his heart on the sand. And when the rains descend, the floods come and the winds blow and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. So, you know, something based on either Jesus is absolutely insane or he meant what he said, but he meant what he said. And he encouraged us to do these things because he's trying to show us how to avoid the traps that are out there. And you know, I really hope you're going to search your heart. I hope you're going to go through this series. And by the way, if you're wanting to take a deeper dive into a lot more of the details, let's be sure and get the audio series. Uh, the audio series is going to be almost uh, uh, almost uh, 60 hours of going into much deeper detail. People who really want to become, who are working and walking as disciples, who really want to take this stuff to heart, the audio series is always the way to go. But I'm going to give you everything that you're going to need uh, to be an overcomer here in this free uh, video series that we put online. So from now on, as you read the Bible and Jesus gives these warnings, listen to him and start seeking God about how to understand them and put them into practice. And he will show you the way and give you the strength to walk in it. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address. 
www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website from previous broadcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.